and I've been sick. Fortunately, I was able to do these outlines weeks ago while on vacation. Uh, in your bulletin, it's the same outline if you want to follow along that I have to speak from. And we've come to this last section of Hebrews 8, talking about God giving a covenant, making a covenant. And uh, the reason he makes a new covenant, because the old covenant, which was good, had a fault. It wasn't perfect. So God had to replace that covenant with a new and better covenant. And I want to say that the fault was not from God. The problem was not God and His terms. The problem was with people, with Israel, with the priesthood. And so God replaced what was not perfect with something better, with better terms, better conditions, a better priest, and a better mediator. But let's backtrack for a second and think why is it necessary to have a covenant in the first place? Well, think about the human condition. God made a covenant with Adam. But Adam disobeyed and sinned. God made a covenant with Noah that he was going to judge the world, but he would redeem Noah's family and keep the human race going. God made a covenant with Abraham. Remember, Abraham, from her of the Chaldees, that is the land of Tigris and Euphrates, rivers, modern-day Iraq. And God said, I'm going to take you out of a pagan culture and bring you to the land that I will give you and I will make your descendants like the stars of the sky. Abraham didn't choose God. God chose Abraham. And it was good. And the terms were good. And then, if you remember, 
God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Lo, Abraham and Sarah were old. But God gave them a son out of a natural conception named Isaac. And then God gave to Isaac two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Romans 9 says, But my favor was not on Esau, whom I hated. Esau the profane, who sold his birthright. My favor was on Jacob. Yes, Jacob, a sinner, a deceiver. But God's favor on Jacob, later called Israel. And then God said to Israel, I will give you twelve sons. And I will establish a people for myself. So see, brothers and sisters, the human race had fallen in the sin through Adam and had committed years and years of breaking God's commandments and breaking God's governance. But God had said, I will make a people for myself by my terms, by my conditions. I will establish a covenant and I will save a people for myself. This covenant of redemption doesn't come from all the peoples of the world. It comes because God establishes a people for himself. And we come down to the covenant he establishes with Israel with a man, a prophet, a leader called Moses. So hundreds of years after the people, the tribe of Israel, some 70 people saved out of starvation because God had kept them a son of Jacob named Joseph to be the second man in Egypt. But what happens is he just doesn't say that one small group of people. But 400 years later, Israel the Hebrews become many people, hundreds of thousands. 
and they're but they're slaves in Egypt. And God raises up Moses to deliver his people out of bondage. He leads them from Egypt into Arabia. Promises, I will give you the land that we call Palestine. And I will call you my nation and my people. So you see this background that God makes a covenant with Moses. He establishes civil and ceremonial and the moral law we call the Ten Commandments. He establishes priests and sacrifices as a way that this stiff-necked, sinful people would have access to God and be God's people. But what does he say in verse 7? If that covenant had been faultless, there's no need for a second covenant. So, how is it faultless? Well, again, the fault is not with the holy and good God who display mercy to sinners. The fault is with people and specifically even the people of Israel. These hundreds of thousands that he brought out of Egypt and was moving toward the land of Canaan. What does he say in verse 8? That God found fault with whom? Verse 8, with them. You see, it's important to understand that the fault of the covenants is not with God who's holy. The fault is with sinful people. God's terms with Adam were good, but Adam disobeyed. So, God says, the fault is on the people. The fault is on the priest. Why? Because the priests of the Aaron and the Levite line, they were not perfect and sinless. They had to offer sacrifices, not only for the people, for the nation, but for themselves. And so, God says, I have to establish a new 
in perfect covenant because the first is not complete, is not faultless. Now, again, what do we do as humans? We look at what God does and we blame God. Why did this happen? Why did this evil thing happen? Why is there sin? And we don't look at the problem of evil as having come from Satan and the human race. But we shake our fists at God and we blame God for problems and for sin. Isn't that the way we are? Let's be honest. Haven't you said, God, why? Why did this happen? Why me? The problem must be with God, not the human ones. But the problem is that we're sinners. And God is holy, and we need righteousness. So he says, I have to replace the covenant with a new covenant. So verse 8, the days are coming, says the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And we quoted that from Jeremiah 31. Notice that Jeremiah was this great prophet who lived some 600 or so years before Jesus. Jeremiah was a prophet right before the fall of Judah and Jerusalem and the captivity into Babylon. But Jeremiah prophesied that God Almighty is going to make a new covenant with the people, with his people, Israel and Judah. And the terms will be good and great. And he said, I will make this covenant, not a covenant like the old one, when we are forefathers, but he says, it's not a covenant like when I took them by the hand as wayward children and led them out of his, uh, excuse me, out of Egypt through the Red Sea and to the Sinai Peninsula. And I led them to the land of Canaan. Not again. It's not a covenant like them. Because, what's he said? They did not continue in that covenant. Again, the problem, it's not God. 
and God's love and God's ways. The problem was the disobedience of Israel. Now we read from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10. What did it say? That Israel was brought out. They were guided by the spiritual rock, which was Christ. They were given the spiritual water. They were given spiritual food. And yet, what? They disobeyed. God provided salvation and redemption, but they disobeyed. They went to idolatry. They went to immorality. They sinned against me. Therefore, God was displeased with that whole generation of Israelites. Hundreds of thousands. And they all died in the wilderness except for two. Joshua and Caleb that led the new generation into the promised land. So, you see, God's covenant was good. But Israel disobeyed. That's human nature. We're full of sin. We go to disobedience. We go to idolatry. We don't love God with all our being. We don't love our neighbor as ourselves. We go to immorality. We go to injustice. If you read the prophets of the Old Testament, whether it's a major prophet or a minor prophet, the complaint that God has with Israel is always idolatry, you don't love me, and immorality and injustice. You don't love your neighbor. So, we come down here. It says, they did not continue in my covenant. And so God disregarded them, says the Lord. You, saw, you see that God was displeased with the house of Israel and Judah. He was displeased with the old priests because the old priests Yes, some were good. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, was a good priest. But we have a history of bad priests and corrupt priests for 1,400 years. 
of that covenant. Even during Jesus' day, most of the priests were of the Sadducee party, and they did not mostly believe the Old Testament. Many of them only believed the first five books. They didn't believe in the supernatural. And they certainly didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. And so, what we see, God has to make a new covenant because he's displeased with the people and the priesthood. So, we look at verses 10 to 13 that God says, I will give a new covenant. Now, brothers and sisters, think about this. God, in his mercy, has made a plan of redemption. This plan is put into place before the foundation of the world. He chooses us in Christ before creation. It is good that God is merciful and he makes a covenant with us as sinners. Where would we be without God taking this step to save us as sinners? But again, the human race gets mad at God. Why not this way? Why this way? Why does it have to be so exclusive? Why only Jesus? Why not this prophet, this religion? Why? 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 Is it your only way? Why the terms of your covenant? But God, he says, I will make a new covenant, a better covenant. The covenant promised in Jeremiah 31. Look at the terms of the covenant in verse 10. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. You see the change. Under the old covenant, people did not know God because of the sin nature. The law of God was distant to them. It was not written on their hearts. Now, God says, I will put my law 
in your minds, in your hearts. Now, understand, this is not done because I decided to be a good person. And I decided to be religious. I decided one day to be spiritual. Now, the law of God is written on our hearts because God makes us a new creation in Christ. God takes out our cover heart, our heart of stone, and gives us a heart of flesh. Mark uses this verse on 69th Street from Ezekiel 36. Do you see? This is the terms of the new covenant. I will take a people for myself and I will take sinners and make them completely new by my grace. I will give them my law. I will change their hearts, their minds. I will give them a new record. I will put away the record of sin. Give them a record of righteousness in Christ. This is the new covenant. And they were therefore this new people by Christ, by my spirit, will be my people. Amen. Now think about this. It's yes, the promise to Israel and Judah, but the promise goes beyond those 12 tribes, that little insignificant nation to the ends of the earth. And God said in Acts 1, I will pour the Spirit and you will be witnesses. Yes, in Judah, but in Samaria, in Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. And Paul is preaching in the book of Acts. He's preaching, yes, the Jews. He has a burden for his people. But when the Jews rejected the message, yes, many believed. But when those rejected, Paul says, I will preach to the Gentiles. In Acts 13, quoting from Isaiah, said, the gospel will be the light to the Gentiles, to the, to the nations that were far from God. And I will bring people close to me. And so, in the new covenant, it's not just for some Jews, but for Gentiles. Think about that for us today. Most of us are not of Jewish stock. God has been merciful to us who have been far off. This is 
the grace of God in this new covenant. Now, he says, because I'm going to make people write my law on their hearts by my spirit. It's not up to the humans to teach each other. Uh, they don't have to teach their neighbor and his brother saying, no, the Lord, they will know me because it's been my work by my spirit and by my Christ. And from the, the least to the greatest. So this is a gospel, a covenant for all classes, free and slave, men and women, Jew and Gentile, cultured and barbarian. And you know, brothers and sisters, this gospel has been preached, not perfectly, but there's a witness of Christ all over the world. Yes, there are still tribes and cultures where there are very few who know Christ. But this is a covenant for people of all races and all tribes. And we know from Revelation 5 that all tribes and tongues will come to worship God through Christ. Give praise to God that God and mercy not just a, a small little nation but to the ends of the earth with a new covenant now uh, I'm merciful to those who are unrighteous God could have said I will be displeased with the human race but God loves the world to give us his son and deal with our sin and unrighteousness. And look at this promise. He says, under the terms of this new and better covenant, their sins, their lawless deeds, I do not remember anymore. Oh, brothers and sisters, be encouraged because Jesus purchased your salvation. The forgiveness is complete and God does not sin. Oh, you did it again. I'm displeased with you. I will not forgive you. No. God says, because of Christ, 
you are forgiven. And I do not remember your sins and trespasses. And because of that, he says, I call you sons and daughters. And I am pleased with you. Because you're my children. Isn't that good news? Yeah, be encouraged. And so, in verse 13, he says, I promised through Jeremiah a new covenant. The old covenant is obsolete. It wasn't complete. But now, I've given a complete, perfect covenant that dealt with sin once and for all. The penalty, the power, the pollution, and ultimately, the presence of sin. You see, the old covenant was mediated by imperfect priests. The old covenant was the shedding of the blood of animals. We'll see later in Hebrews that only covered sin. This covenant is the blood of the perfect priest. The God-man who became a sinless human being. So what we see is God said, under the old covenant, the priests of Aaron and Levi were sinners. I looked for a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and there was none. So, for the new covenant, I give you a priest under a new order, a priest forever. Quoting Psalm 110, we saw that in chapter 7. Who is that priest? It's Jesus, the Son of God, become a man, the mediator of the covenant. Mary, the saints, other prophets are not mediators between this holy God and sinful man. You can look up some of these scripture verses in the outline. But First Timothy 2 says, it was God's desire or will to, that men would come to the knowledge of salvation. How much so God gave a mediator of a covenant to negotiate the dispute an absolutely holy God between God and sinful man. It's Jesus who mediated the, the dispute because he was sinless and righteous and paid 
the legal, penal, substitutionary death for sin and conquered death by being raised and ascended to heaven. So brothers and sisters, a couple quick action points at the bottom of your outline. Please continue to read the rest of the book of Hebrews. We'll keep preaching the coming months. The second, Christ is your mediator. Look to no one else. Don't try to be self-righteous and deal with sin on your own terms. You need the Savior, Jesus, the lawyer, the defense attorney, before God, who says, that man, that woman, is mine. I've got his or her sins covered. So keep looking to Jesus and Jesus only. And then, brothers and sisters, if Jesus is the only mediator of the covenant that represents the whole human race, we must preach, preach Christ crucified to this world, to Upper Darby, to Delaware County, to the ends of the earth. Now some of us, like Mark and I, are ordained to the office of evangelists, but we all need to be witnesses and share Christ. That all authority has given to this King Jesus, the mediator, to go and teach and bear witness and make disciples in my name. Yes, where you live, but sometimes to the ends of the earth. Now, we're not all called to back up and go to some distant land, but we can witness in our network of friends, family, and neighbors as God gives us opportunity. Let me remind you that John 3.16 basically is almost a restatement of the fact you could rephrase it in a way. God so loved the world that he gave a new covenant and a mediator of that covenant. Uh, whoever accepts the mediator will have life. Whoever rejects the mediator will not have life. So I would encourage you to think about John 3.16. It's basically saying, I gave a mediator 
But the mediator, we must bear witness. So I want everybody take a couple copies of the tract I wrote months ago of John 3.16 and prayerfully ask God to give it to somebody this week. Maybe in Wawa. Maybe as you take Uber or ride the bus. Look, you don't have to be an expert. But just say to somebody, do you know what John 3.16 means? Here's a little booklet to help explain it. Do, do you understand? God made a covenant with mankind. And the mediator is Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Tell people about Jesus. And listen, I can print hundreds of this little book if we need more. And Mark and Karen have thousands of tracks. We're not at a loss for materials to give up. But prayerfully say, God, let me give this to somebody this week. Let's pray, Father. Thank you. We needed a covenant. We're sinners. We were disobedient. But you gave a better covenant. You did not totally disregard the human race. You gave redemption to all classes. Male and female. Young and old. Through the work of Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for pouring out your spirit. Guide us this week to lean on Jesus only and to preach Christ wherever we can. Amen. 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 Thank you.